Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. He caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. <laughs> The T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. That was a good start. That was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this Friday. T.C. Martin, Double B, Brian Benowitz in the house at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home, as uh, we get ready for another wild, crazy NFL weekend. It's wild and crazy, not just from the competition standpoint in the games, but games being moved around. We will dive into uh, that. Our best bet segment coming this hour as well, too. And a shout-out again, and thanks to Showtime Sean Porter for joining us in hour number one. That interview will be up on the website a little bit later on at tcmartinshow.com, as will all of the best bets. And again, glad to have you with us here on this Friday. This is our Friday home, as everyone knows, 2 to 4 p.m. each and every Friday. And, of course, you can enjoy the show wherever you're at, Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. each and every weekday right here. And uh, find it at tcmartinshow.com. Double B. Got his uh, Michigan maize and blue on today, uh, ready for a little college football playoff. That's very nice. And uh, our next guest uh, steps in. He's been with us before. Uh, the pride of Syracuse and also the pride of Kingston, Jamaica. Oh. The former NFL linebacker, Moreland Greenwood, played with uh, the Dolphins, was drafted by the Dolphins back in the day, played with the Houston Texans as well, and also a former Raider as well, Moreland Greenwood. What is up, my man? Oh, man, I'm just happy to be here. I'm, I'm uh, definitely thankful for the opportunity and each and every day when you can uh, try to expand and do more and do better. And the next day, the day that you're here is just definitely a positive one, you know, because you have a chance. So good to see you, brother. Good to see you, man. Good, <laughs> good to see you. Guys. Now, I know when I, when I was telling about Double B's, uh, you know, Michigan shirt there, I mean, you, you kind of gave that like a little oh. snow, you know, right? I mean, <laughs> okay. where, where's your orange, man? Oh, well, well, you know, when you said Michigan, I was thinking about times we played Michigan and Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, that year, we played Tennessee, and then the first game, we actually lost to Tennessee with a field goal. We should have won the game. That was the year Tennessee ended up winning the national championship. So we were, like, pretty down. We had Donovan McNabb with his senior year, and we, on top of the loss, we had a hurricane that came through <laughs> and it wiped out all the electricity. So we couldn't we couldn't even practice over by the practice facility. Everybody had to migrate into the into the uh, carrier dome because yeah. we had the generators up there. So imagine after a uh, disappointing loss, um, a game we should have won, uh, then having to go through that with, with the hurricane and all the other stuff happened up in Syracuse. You know, who would have think there would be a hurricane up in Syracuse? And, and when you're telling me the story, I'm sitting there going, okay, wait a minute. Is he talking about an away game? <laughs> no. He's talking about Syracuse. It was like a little like mini hurricane, but it was strong enough where it did some yeah. damage. It wasn't like a, you know, so so it it definitely affected us. It definitely affected the power. But one of the things, Coach P, he was, uh, you know, took the leadership and made sure that he kept us focused because they said, listen, we're going on the road and we're going to play Michigan in the big house. <laughs> and, uh, and you had a good I've game never played game. there before. Yeah. yeah. I actually never never played there before and um, I, I was uh, definitely taking it serious, but I was still trying to block out all the distractions that we were going through with, you know, the elements. And, you know, we played, we practiced hard and went to Michigan and uh, we won. And the reason why it was a good game for us because Michigan was never up because we didn't want to get the crowd involved, yeah. you know, because, you know, once the crowd gets involved, it becomes more difficult, you know, <laughs> becomes more, you know, it becomes a lot more difficult. And so it, it, it was a, it was a quiet game. You could have heard a, a, a pin drop in there and, uh, you know, we just came out and execute. So 
that was good in my experience. And, you know, obviously Tom Brady was on the team. Right. And I had a fact there. And uh, <laughs> uh, that's probably the only time I fact Tom Brady because it never happened in the NFL. He just has such a But, uh, but you know, I always, always remember that, you know, uh, when people talk about Michigan, I think about all those different things that you're going through. Great memories, right? Time. Yeah. Great memories. What was it like playing in the Carrier Dome? Because we always hear the stories about how difficult it is for basketball opponents to go up there and play in the Carrier Dome. And I know back when you played, I mean, you guys would sell out that Carrier Dome. Like you said, you had yourself. Yeah. You had Donovan McNabb. And, and, and you know, honestly, the, the Orange really, they, have, they haven't probably been, they haven't been good probably since you left, Moreland. <laughs> I'm telling you. But what's it like playing? Did you enjoy that or not? I definitely enjoy that. Um, and I didn't realize how loud it was until I actually started playing in other stadiums and, and started really thinking about that. Because actually when you play when you play in the game of football, you don't really focus on the fans or people watching you because you have to focus on what's in front of you because the next thing you know you're going against Edwin James, you know, the guy in Miami and uh, um, I think uh, Jeremy Shockey, all those all those top players that end up um, playing in the NFL. Michael Vick, you know, where he was at Virginia Tech, you know, right. the, those different opponents. So you you don't really focus on the actual noise because you have to focus on what you focus on. But but you do hear it, and you do know how loud it is. And when you go to other places, you realize that the Caridome is, is very loud, and it's not really that much. It's a lot of people, but it's about 60,000 people, 55,000 people, right? right. Um, and you would think that, all right, the more people the louder it would be. But it's because of the structure of the carrier dome that when people start getting loud, it echoes off the, the ceiling and come back down, and that place just erupts when we having big games there. I remember one year we beat Virginia Tech with uh, like five seconds left. Um, Donovan Manab rolled out. There was no time left on the clock, and he uh, threw the ball to Steven Brominski in the end zone. And man, when you talk about, and that one, I could hear the eruption because I was on defense right <laughs> I was on the sideline just and then when the whole place erupted it was just absolutely amazing and the people jumped over on the field and just stormed the field it, it was something you would always see on on TV and other teams doing it but when it actually happens in your own uh, uh, field and the stadium and everything it's just remarkable and it's a great feeling because it was like we were we thought we lost the game. You know, man. I mean, I was still having hope, but um, statistic-wise, you'll be like, the game's over. You know, <laughs> there's no way. Five seconds left, no timeout. We're gonna score the last touchdown and and and, and <laughs> win yeah. the way they've been doing. And it happened. And actually, I want to make correction. Since not since I left, but since Donovan McNabb left, <laughs> you know, that's when we kind of uh, we won three Big East championship with. Uh, hey, listen, you were the quarterback McNabb. on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball, man. Well, okay, we had a good defense. After yeah. I yeah. was like, I, I I said I wish we had Donovan for another couple more years because we had we had Dwight Freeney, Keith Bullock. <laughs> that's uh, right. We, we had a good strong defense and we were gelling and everything but you know when you throw in, when you turn over the ball and yeah. an offense and getting touchdowns they're scoring on an offense it doesn't give you a chance of the defense you know but uh but but it was great you know double b he's bringing back some memories and we we don't really talk about syracuse football that was when the big east yeah. was was really strong i mean all those guys in those teams you know, the, those are powerhouse teams. The Miami, the Virginia Tech, and Syracuse, you know, back in the day. That's a, you know, it's too bad that the Big East had to, to go the way that they did because th- those are some great days. Those are those are some fantastic days and great games to bet on and a lot of fun. Uh, you brought up some wonderful players. I remember distinctly when, when Syracuse had a – they, they kind of railroaded Coach P out of there. Yeah. And uh, I, I jumped as a gambler immediately to bet against Syracuse. No no offense. When no, they got I, rid of Coach P, I said, this is a bad mistake. Yeah. And they really never recovered from that. They didn't. They weren't satisfied going 10-2 and two and 9-3 and three against these great competition. They had to be in the national championship. Well, the national championship is hard right. to get to that, to that elite level. And so uh, they went backwards. And, and a lot of teams have made that same mistake. Tennessee made the same mistake when they got rid of Fulmer the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they've just people think that it's, it's easy to stay up there at that level. It is not. Yeah. And so uh, Syracuse back then was fantastic to watch. I'd love to see him get back there. They've had a few good years since, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. here and there, but nothing consistent. Nothing consistent like when Coach P was there, and I'm glad you said that because uh, um, 
Coach P, he just had that uh, dimension um, um, to it where he had those relationships with the different schools and recruiting. People mm-hmm. don't understand how big recruiting mm-hmm. is as far as having a, a good team. You know, you have to have good players. Mm-hmm. But you also have that relationship with the high school. Of course, the high school is going to, as soon as they have a good player, they're going to re- make sure that they go to Syracuse because they know that Coach P is going to take care of their, the, the kid make sure that he's got to get his education, make sure that he's, he's wor- he works hard and make sure he has integrity and all those. But when Coach P left, you left with all those relationships and all the high school coaches and be like, I'm not going to send my kid there. I, they have no ties to Syracuse anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so then that hurts recruiting. And when that hurts recruiting, you have to actually go out with the new guys and try to go there and try to recruit and try to convince them again to send send uh, the, the players, the top players to Syracuse, like Don Vendarius, he was from New Jersey, he went up to Syracuse you know, uh, to Bucket Jones he was from Connecticut, Dwight Freeney was from uh, Connecticut, you know, all those guys all those relationships and stuff kind of just went away, you know mm. Moreland Greenwood joins yeah, so us you have to rebuild it <laughs> oh, yeah. Moreland Very difficult, yeah. Not easier said than done right. yeah. Moreland Greenwood in the house joins us uh, talking about his days at Syracuse nine years in the NFL as well too and uh, we'll get into what Moreland's doing now here too he's uh, got his great foundation here and uh, as well as he's the director of the NFL alumni here at the Las Vegas chapter um, the news this past week about Urban Meyer who the Jacksonville Jaguars let go and it always brings up Every time we see a college coach who does not succeed in the NFL, again, you played in both. You were at a very high-powered program at Syracuse at the collegiate level, and again, you played nine years in the NFL. What is it about the, the why the college coaches cannot be successful in leading NFL teams for the most part? Because yeah. it's not just Urban Meyer, but we can go back to uh, to Nick. Lou Holtz and Butch Davis and uh, you know Dennis Erickson, Nick Saban, Nick Saban, <laughs> exactly, and. I, to name a few. Yeah, and, and that's a great point that you bring up. I think it's all about the mentality of the coach and how he is willing to adapt to the different um, level as far as, far as player-wise, the, the mentality of the player. They have to understand the mentality in high school is like someone's trying to get a scholarship, get a scholarship. You, they, you, you tell them whatever you, whatever you want to do as a coach, they do it. College, similar, the same thing. Now, college... college players, they're going to start getting paid and stuff like that. They haven't really looked into what that structure is going to look like. But then you go into the professional, and now you have guys making millions of, that, millions of dollars. Now they're adults. They're men. They have their own responsibility there. And so the same type of uh, coaching, you, you cannot approach them with that same type of approach like you approach a college player because the mentality is now different. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the good coaches know how to transition that uh, and how to deal with those players so that they can get the most out of them in that uh, in that level. And the one that don't is kind of like, I remember one one of the players, I don't remember who, he was telling me that one time uh, Coach Saban was telling them to run sprints and he was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, like, in college, you run sprints, you're going to run sprints. Right, right. Right. So that's, that's just a, a little example of what I'm talking about. No, yeah. and, and that's a great example. And I know that, you know, when you have that uh, player-coach relationship, when you're in college, I mean, you're, it's yes, sir, and you're calling him coach. Uh, when you get to the NFL, a lot of times you're calling your, your head coach by his first yeah, name. Yeah, exactly. As well, it's, it's more of that professional, you know, landscape and, and that business relationship. But is it is it hard automatically for a, a college coach when he takes over an NFL team because he – he knows that you're going to get that backlash because maybe the NFL players, especially the veterans, say, hey, man, you're, you're coming into our environment here, you know? You know, you have that, and, and you also have the, the coach that have a system that has worked for him, but it was working for him in a different level, like a different, different college level. And they tried to um, place that into a whole nother, mm-hmm. a whole nother level, like I mentioned, the, the age group. And they, and they don't adapt. You, you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to change. You have to be able to uh, do different things in order to, when you're in a different and knowing where you are in order to grow. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you don't do that, that's in anything I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be in just a, uh, coaching or we, if you're not able to change, like look at the world is changing, you know, uh, technology. If you, if you be like, all right, I'm going to be the same. 
going to the same phone that I grew up with doing, using that cord phone. I'm not going to use this this uh, iPhone and the different technologies and stuff. I'm going to always, you know, it, it makes your life more easier. Because, but as long as you adapt to it and you learn. So um, I think that was, that that's a big thing with the coaches if they learn how to adapt and they learn how to change as far as the mentality and know who they're dealing with and just it's not just my philosophy it works here in college just understand the the person that you're dealing with understand the type of age and some guys and not all the guys are like that and probably it's probably just a a few of them but if you have a few of them that are getting paid a lot of money once they start getting paid a lot of money there's not really much you can say to them unless they're the re- they're a real grounded uh, person and they understand and they're respectful and things like that and sometimes other players look at those guys as leaders mm-hmm. those are the leaders on the team so if they act in a certain way then not you're going to have division mm-hmm. and one of the ways someone can be able to be successful is when w- what you say go whatever I tell you to do this is what everybody's going to do it and there's no question but once, w- one, once you have someone that's, that's not totally agreeing with what the, the head coach is saying then that create division. You know, I don't agree with this. But then that create confusion. Another person might, ah, you know, what do you think about? It? And then you're going around. So you have people on the borderline. You're not everybody that's totally bought into the system. So that's, you know, <laughs> that's the, I know that's, and that's what I've noticed. And then that's what I've, uh, I, I think the, the main problem is. And some coaches are able to uh, adjust and adapt, and they just grow and they become great coaches. And uh, on every level. And some um, stay stuck in one, you know, and in, in in one level where they've been doing it so long in in one way that, you know, they're stuck in their ways, <laughs> kind of like you know. It seems to me like it's more like relating to the players these days. Um, the only coach that I can think of that really made the jump, and he went one in 15 his first year, was Jimmy Johnson. Right. Right. And of course they got some uh, windfall from some great draft picks that they did. Uh, and 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 got a QB that was a, a legend and a running back that was a legend and a and an offensive line that could you know run through the uh, and stayed healthy for mm-hmm. for a decade so uh, it's very difficult I got to think it's more difficult today uh, back when you played back when TC played back when I played <laughs> the coaches it was it was my way or the highway yeah and you you nodded and you did your thing and even even when Jay Schrader was here last week remember what he said yeah. he said Joe Gibbs told him son you don't do that again right he raised the ball up one time and yeah. he said yes coach yeah. yeah that was the end of it you can't talk to kids like that now they're yeah. just they're just different mm-hmm. uh the, the 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 technology and the the, the millennial attitude they got to learn and grow with them and if they don't they're never going to relate and they're never going to move forward and now you start paying them their professionals Urban Meyer looks like a total buffoon yeah this year he really he I don't know if there's I don't know if there's a college team that wants to go get him again now for 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 his antics from especially this last couple of weeks right well you we look at Urban Meyer you always had that reputation of kind of being a narcissist you know it's like hey it's going to be my way or the highway and you know when he was at Florida and then he re, you know, retired and then he came back went to Ohio State then he retired again and then thought he was going to be done. He went to the broadcast uh, you know, studio for a while with Fox. And then here's, he's back with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It just never seemed like he was really fully committed like to any of those jobs. And the people that know him and have met him have said, you know, hey, this guy is just, he's, he's more about himself than anything else. And when you go to an organization like the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is a mess, and you're coming in as a college coach, not never being a head coach in the NFL, I think you are going to get that pushback from uh, the veterans. And again, we've heard the, the stories. I mean, you know, kicking Josh Lambeau, the, the, the kicker, while he's, you know, uh, you know, stretching and that sort of thing, arguing with a wide receiver. And I think it's like what well, you said, more. Oh, yeah? you know, there, there were some things where you're like, okay, well, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to come in here, you know, I'm going to be a disciplinarian. A lot of the NFL guys, eh, no. And especially when you start losing the way the Jaguars, he lost that team probably six or seven weeks ago. Or maybe he even lost his team while they were still in training camp. They didn't respect him. It's yeah. just a it's just a very unusual situation. No. Did, did you ever have a situation? You like know, that? that's a great point that you bring up. Uh, you know, I didn't know much much about it. As, as you know, I'm doing the foundation stuff, mm-hmm. and I, but when I have time, I watch it. But I've played it, and so I understand it. So as long as I hear the proper uh, um, situation or scenario, that could be able to to um, add some input on it. Uh, one of the things that I want to say is what. Uh, what was said about millennials, right? And what Jay Sherry, you know, the mentality of the 
youth have changed or, or people in general you know coming up with the way they think you know before it was uh, the, the 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 respect of the elders and 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 uh following orders and those things like that now it's like like i know everything right <laughs> i mean but you have to still learn how to deal with them and how to get the best out of them from by the way they think you have to meet them where they at that's how it is what we're doing with you know mentoring the youth and knowing what their situation is how they're coming up their environment that they're living in to be able to uh be able to understand where they're coming from and how we can help them um do you you're talking about you know i you, you said that he kicked the, the he kicked the punter kicker I mean, the I, kicker yeah. yeah during warm-ups he's like that's a grown man he, he, like, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a now, and we a, don't know to what that, level yeah. i mean no one's really talking about is it is just like a little tap is he joking or do you actually kick him or what i mean you, you know no one's really talking well, it depends about on it, how the, it depends yeah. on how his demeanor and sometimes yeah. when it comes off on a, a, a video it could look more than what it really is and, exactly and if they want to escalate something so yeah. i would have to see that myself you know how yeah. it look yeah. to be able to but uh, uh but but you mentioned um, he was arguing with the with marvin wide, jones his wide you know the wide receiver and then you know he even called out his coaches and uh you know the reports were saying that he called his coaches losers he's you know, questioning their resumes. Well, it's like, well, he's the one that hired him, right? <laughs> I mean, so, so, but there's a, just a lot of dysfunction there in Jacksonville. But, you know, if you follow Urban Meyer's career, I mean, again, we go back to Florida where, you know, the, so, re- the reason why he left Florida that we heard was that, uh, you know, he, 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 you know, the Aaron Hernandez situation, he went and got a lot of players. I heard he's afraid of his players. Yeah. He, <laughs> That's he, what it came down yeah. to. No, so you, you said something interesting <laughs> yeah. that he – Call his players the losers. Was that in front of the team? Yeah, yeah. Well, he called he called his assistant coaches losers. Is what see, he was saying. So yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. You know because in, now, in you're, now, you, you know. now you're now um, you know you're you're discrediting the your team that you're working in that got to go and um, give out the plays to the different players and coach them and stuff. So you're making them look. You you don't have any belief in them. So how? If the player is going to have belief in your coaching staff that you yourself don't have to believe. You have to, no matter what you feel about the team, you have to cannot bring that um, state of doubt in. You know, you have to be able to maintain a positive mind frame. And, 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 and by doing that, you, you, you never talk down upon somebody that you're working with because you want to build that union. You want to build that strength. You want to make sure if you guys have a disagreement, you feel like... The, do it behind closed doors or, you know, call the individual by themselves that you're talking to. Don't don't ever do it amongst coaches because then you have that division within coaches. Right. You know, uh, you could do that discreetly and uh, be able to, um, you know, make sure that you correct the issue so it doesn't become, they call it like a cancer. You don't want that to spread. And that's definitely... Um, what obviously probably some of the things that's happening. Yeah. Well, you know all about mentoring. Uh, Moreland Greenwood uh, has his foundation, the MG52, 52, his, his number uh, w- when he played. Uh, also, you're dealing with the NFL alumni uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, talk a little bit real quickly about the, the foundation and what you guys have been doing and, and what 2022 mm-hmm. is going to look like. Oh, yeah. So this year we... We, we were happy to do our camp again. We did at the Billy and Lily Heinrich uh, YMCA uh, over there at the, the Meadows Mall, close by the Meadows Mall. We we do a free football camp for the kids. We've been doing it since 2015 at in Freeport High School, my hometown. I started there because it was very important for me to start where everything started for me. Um, we started doing the camps here in 2017 here in Las Vegas. So each year we would do a camp. Uh, continue to do a camp back in my hometown do one here then we extended from a day camp to a three-day camp and now we're working to be able to put a a, a facility in place uh for the youth here in, in las vegas so we're working very hard on doing that so okay, I, I can't really wait until that happens so we can be able to provide all the wraparound services for the youth um in covid in 2020, because we couldn't do a camp, we extended up into North Las Vegas where we were doing the, the food food drives. Right. We, were, we were food giveaway. We were giving away like 40-pound boxes of food to, to different families. Uh, so for about a three-month period, on and off, sometimes we would go like two weeks, then we would take a week off, then we would go up there another two weeks, one week, take two weeks, you know. That, but it, it was for about a three-month period, so we gave away about 250,000 pounds of food. Uh, to families up there in, in North Las Vegas, and 
And this uh, uh, um, winter, um, Christmas, we want to do a toy giveaway up in that same area where we were where we were giving out the food, just to let them know that we haven't uh, forgotten about you. And one of the things is, is you know, we, we focus on the camp, but we, we feel like this is another way how to let the youth and let the community know that we care about you. And sometimes someone, all they're looking for is that, to know that you care about us, mm -hmm. you know, and that will give them the drive to be able to to do or to elevate themselves, right? And going into 2022, um, we want to, we're thinking of doing a, a, a camp uh, during the Pro Bowl weekend mm -hmm. uh, from from uh, February 4th until the 6th. It hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been solidified yet, but we're going to mm -hmm. get the location okay. and everything and then transition into doing our camp over the summer like we normally do at the uh, at the high school and 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 continue to do that and, and spreading the leadership and um, mentorship for the youth and you know the nfl alumni guys they always come and they always come and, uh, and be a source of inspiration for the youth uh let them know about hardware discipline staying on the right track and doing the right thing and the kids always leave in um inspired and uh, want to take on the world. That's why it's so important what we're doing about putting a facility, permanent facility in place to create that safe haven for the youth that they can go to mm -hmm. and, and, and be able to uh, get all the different mentorship and education that they need. Great, Sam. you got some great NFL alumni here in Las Vegas that are, that are with you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We have uh, Jay Schrader, uh, Leo Gray. Uh, we have uh, Roy Hart. Um, he played for the Raiders. <laughs> Leo Gray played for the Raiders as well. Uh, last night at, at the event, uh, Napoleon McCallum, he, he came through. Uh, uh, definitely blessed us with his presence. <laughs> yeah. he's well, a, he's pounding his chest after a Navy beat Army last week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also, you know, we also have uh, Lyndon King that played, uh, uh, four, started four years for the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Crisp, he played for the Jets. Um, uh, one of our big, big uh, members, and that's been with us since day one. That, that passed away, uh, uh, Floyd Little, Hall of Fame uh, yeah. running back. Uh, he went to Syracuse too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I used to see Floyd Little at the fights. Yeah, yeah. matter of fact, uh, we saw Floyd Little. He was here at the Cosmopolitan at the fights uh, going back two years ago. Yep. So, yeah. What a great guy. We have uh, yeah. Quentin Carter, Angel Battles. You know, we have, uh, and the list goes on and yeah. on. And uh, so we we just have a great support of guys that just wanna be able to to also brandon marshall sh showed up uh last night las vegas uh, uh yeah. grew up here yeah yeah grew up here yeah. and um he, he liked what he saw and uh so that was good so we're just going to continue to get the word out you know we weren't able to do any events before in in covid because we're a fairly new chapter we started in 2018 and then we had a shutdown in 2020 when the draft was here right you know we had all those all those events planned and trying to get more uh, awareness about that we're here we do have a chapter here then you know 2021 the, the city was opened up uh, in uh, june 1st when i did the event at Har harley davidson right. with the foundation and the alumni and then we had a super bowl of golf uh um and then and then then now we're here doing the socials now we're doing our, our second social we do that starbase which is down the street from uh uh, the rate of facility. So just want to get more awareness for that. You got it. Moreland mm -hmm. Greenwood, uh, tell the people with the website where they can go find out more information. They can go to uh, mg52.org. That's mg52.org. MG is for my abbreviation for my name, Marlon Greenwood, and my number was 52. Yeah. It was 52 in uh, high school, okay. college, and Miami. And when I went to Houston, uh, Kylie Wong had my, had uh, a number, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he was going to give it up to me for 50000 <laughs> right? Is that all? But I wasn't, si I wa I wasn't signed yet. So, so I was like, yeah. so I, it, number was so important to me. I said, it's not like I'm paying anything on it, but they haven't gave, given me anything. Right. So I said, that would be part of the, the, the uh, contract. <laughs> and then he said, last minute, he said, ah, you know what, I had this number and everybody know me here. So I went with 56 because... In high school, I didn't know who Lawrence Taylor was because I, I didn't start playing football till 11th right. grade in high school. Right. And uh, my coach was back. you don't know who Lawrence Taylor is, he might be one of the greatest uh, uh, linebackers of all time. You need to, if you're going to play this sport, you need to know who he is. And I looked him up, I was like, this guy's good. So when I went there, I was like, I'm going to use uh, 56. So that's good. Right. <laughs> he, was pretty, he was pretty good. He was good. That's, that's like a double B uh, with John Legend. You know, oh, yeah. He had to look up John Legend. He's pretty good. You know, he's a pretty good, pretty yeah. good singer. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, 
I know a John Legend. But I thought people had no idea. All yeah. right. Marlon, we appreciate you uh, hanging out with us today, man. Mm-hmm. You always got an open invitation here, man. Uh, great Thank seeing you. Very you. Great talking football with you. Thank you very much. I really right. appreciate it. Marlon Greenwood. And uh, check out the foundation, MG52, NFL alumni, very involved here in Las Vegas. And, uh, again, whether it's food drives, toy drives, especially the Christmas time, we're always thinking about that. Uh, go check it out, mg52.org. Appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. All right. When we come back, best bets. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me big. T.C. Martin. Of course, you are a character. Doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. It is time to rock and roll here with our best bets. T.C. Martin, Double B. And Marco D'Angelo in the house. And uh, don't forget, uh, you know that we're here each and every Friday. And then uh, Las Vegas Bowl, like Double B said, coming up on the 30th, we'll be here prior to the Las Vegas Bowl serving as the pregame show before the Las Vegas Bowl. And that is going to be something else with Wisconsin against Arizona State. All right, so our best bets today, uh, we are going to give you our three best college bowl games that take place Starting tomorrow through Thursday, we'll give you three bowl games there. And then, of course, the NFL games. And, again, the breaking news that came out earlier today, we'll talk about that again. The NFL has rescheduled three games, including the Raiders and the Browns. That game moved from tomorrow to Monday. That kickoff now is at 2 p.m. And then the uh, Raider, or rather the Rams will be hosting the Seahawks. That game moved till Tuesday. And Washington and Philadelphia, that game moved to Tuesday obviously because of the big numbers of uh, COVID that are in those camps. Uh, Mark Davis uh, made a comment just a couple hours ago saying that moving this game till Tuesday really has given the Raiders a competitive disadvantage uh, because now this is going to give the Browns time to to get healthy. Is it Monday, right, Monday? Monday. Yes. I'm sorry, Monday, yes. I'm getting it all mixed up. Yeah, Raiders, Browns, (laughs) Monday, and uh, Seahawks, Rams, Tuesday. Washington, Philly, Tuesday. It's, How's that? It's very hard to keep track of Oh, my of goodness. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Best bet. Let's rock. It's football Friday and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right. Like I said, the three best college bowl games that are, will take place from tomorrow, Saturday, through Thursday. And let's get it started with our good friend for ESPN, Trevor Maddich. He was uh, all over these bowl games. What's going on, Trev? Hey, TC. I'm doing great, man. How are you? Well, fire us up, my friend. Let's go. Okay. The first one I've got is the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. This is Western Kentucky against Appalachian State. And Appalachian State's laying three points. And I like that. I'll take Appalachian State and lay the points. The thing about this game is twofold. First of all, Western Kentucky can move the ball incredibly well through the air. Running the ball, not so well. They're a one-dimensional offense. The best passing attack in the nation, one of the worst rushing attacks in the nation. Appalachian State has a a solid defense that can take advantage of a one-dimensional offense. The Mountaineers' offense is more balanced as well. Now, I know they're out there without their leading receiver, Corey Sutton, but Malik Williams and Thomas Hennigan are really kind of like the same guy. They'll be able to pick up that production that Sutton will be missing. And the weakness of Western Kentucky is the secondary. I think that Appalachian State has played tougher teams. They've done better against passing teams than Western Kentucky has done against teams that can run the ball well. And while they're balanced on offense, App State is really a running team. I think Appalachian State lay the three. Then, Oregon State versus Utah State. I've got under in this one, 67.5. Under 67.5. There's a lot of people that are taking the over on this one because they figure that Oregon State runs the ball so well and Utah State can't stop the run. Utah State throws the ball so well and Oregon State can't stop the pass, right? Well, I think what will end up happening here is that in the second half, after Utah State has gone on a flurry of points in the first half. Oregon State will take over with the running game. It's the best rushing attack in the Pac-12, 15th nationally, and teams that can run have run well against Utah State. This Oregon State offensive line, I believe, will take over in the second half and slow this thing down. Also, while Utah State does run an up-tempo, fast offense, they're not very good in the red zone. They're only 66th in the nation 
in red zone scores per game. And so I will take the under 67.5. And then, where are we? <laughs> you tell I just us. got lost. Yeah, no, hey, hey, I just got lost. Okay, those two, come back to me in a minute for the third one, because I have three of them here for the third one, and I can't remember which one I said. So... There you go. All Come right. on back in a minute. Double B. Give, oh, us no, your three, give us the three best bowl games, Double B. TC, you know, I love this week with all these uh, obscure bowl games. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorites. Tomorrow there's games all day, which I, I really enjoy. I, I can't even believe that. It is, I think I, I saw one of your games. I'm going, did he pick this? There's something wrong because you have – Double B has a rule where he doesn't pick uh, any non-Power 5 conferences. It's it. That's a simple rule. Yeah. It's a simple rule. It's been good for me. Not so great this year, but yeah. it's been good for me for, for, for many years. All right. This year I, I, there, I had no choice. I had no choice because every game was somebody went against someone. So I went deep. All right. Let's see what you got. First, I'm going to start 11:20 tomorrow morning. I took Fresno. I laid the 11 points. Uh, I think it just meant against boys. Uh, UTEP is happy to be there. They haven't won a bowl game since uh, 1967. Sun Bowl. Uh, that's uh, 54 years for those of you who are counting. Um, they didn't beat a team with a winning record. In fact, their team's records this year that they beat were 23 and 60. They won seven games. They're not a good team. Fresno's looking to win 10 again. They're going to thump them. I like Fresno laying the number. Okay. Uh, next, I'm going to take a, a team that I thought was uh, should have maybe ended up in a better bowl, and, and sometimes you don't go with them, but I, I like BYU laying the number. I don't think UAB is a very good team. Uh, I think BYU, they keep in their, their – they're keeping their coach. They're 5-0 and against the Pac-12. They also defeated Virginia. Uh, they're playing a UAB team that's just not really a, a team that's used to being there. Uh, the Cougars can score. They move the ball. Uh, they get average 33 points a game and 457. Uh, I like Hall. I like their uh, Algier, their running back who had uh, 20 touchdowns this year. So I think that they go in there, they go to uh, the Independence Bowl, and they win that game going away just on talent alone. So both of those picks are strictly talent there, TC. There you go. All right. The last one, it's a home home, home advantage. Uh-oh. The Raging Cajuns. Look at this. And the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, I like this team. They, you know, they, they've won 12 games this year after dropping their first game against Texas. They came in with lofty expectations. Uh, I think they're the only team in the country uh, or the only team in recent history that lost their first game and then rattled off 12 in a row. So that's pretty strong. Um, they haven't committed a turnover in their last four games, TC. They, they protect the ball. Uh, they can run the ball. I, I like the team. They've got great defense. They're 11th in the country in scoring defense with only allowing 18 points a game. They create turnovers, 21 turnovers, four, and, and only eight that they've given up all year long. So I like this team. I don't think much of Marshall. Uh, they have a pretty good offense, but uh, I think that uh, you lay the short number at home with the Raging Cajuns. Great movie with Marshall. you got to admit that, right? We are Marshall. Great movie. You know what? We are Marshall. Yeah, we are Marshall. We are Marshall. That doesn't mean I'm going to pick them this year. There you go. <laughs> okay, Trevor, did you find your lost third pick there underneath your M&Ms there somewhere? I did find my lost pick. It was the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Old Dominion versus Tulsa. And long story short, this is played in, in Myrtle Beach, of course. Old Dominion's in Virginia, so... This is more of a home game for Old Dominion. They'll be motivated. They opted out of the entire season last year because of COVID. Old Dominion did. And this year they started one and six and then won five in a row to become bowl eligible. Tulsa is the better team, but Old Dominion is getting nine points. And the thing about Tulsa is that they tend to play down to their opponents. I mean, as underdogs this year, they were four and oh against the number. As favorites, they were only three and five. They did really well against Cincinnati. They did really well against Ohio State. But then other teams that they should have smoked, they didn't. I think Old Dominion is going to stay within that number. Tulsa will win. Old Dominion will stay within that number. I was looking at the Armed Forces Bowl with Missouri and uh, Army. I was tempted to take the under on that one. I was looking at the Cure Bowl with Northern Illinois and Coastal. But I just don't trust Coastal, so I didn't want to jump on it. And so that's why I forgot which was the third ball. And the third ball was Old Dominion and Tulsa. Thank you very much, my friend. All right. Coastal is almost in the second quarter. So that's, exactly. That's not eligible. And, and you got to read. Yeah. We're picking games tomorrow, Trevor, from tomorrow through Thursday. So there you go. Well, that's the second reason why. <laughs> Hey, I got halftime of the FCS playoffs game tonight, so my uh, brain's a bit scrambled. I understand. There you go. All right, Marco D'Angelo, my man, he's been on fire. Listen, pay attention, pen ready, go. 
All right, uh, TC, you're going to see a recurring theme with my bowl selections. When you're doing these early games, it's about motivation. What teams want to be there? I'm going to start with Liberty and Eastern Michigan. Liberty finished the season losing three games in a row. But if you look at those three games, first of all, an AD that schedules an SEC team in November should be fired. Okay? Then they played after that game the toughest team in the conference, Louisiana Lafayette. And then to finish out the season, you had to have Army run the football down your throat 62 times. Three weeks off to prepare. They'll hit the reset button. They're going to come out smoking. In Eastern Michigan cannot stop the run. 211, 265, 178, and 236 is what they've given up in the last four games. I've got Liberty, 38-24 for play number one. Play number two, I'm going against my good buddy here, Double B. I'm on UAB. Uh, this is one of those ones where how can BYU be excited? They're 10-2. and two. Their only two losses were to Boise State and Baylor. And then they got this ball, the Independence Ball. And that's because you have no conference affiliation. And you've got a coach that, you know, he might be still out trying to deposit that new check he got for that (laughs) big contract. I'm going to go with UAB. This is a team that just a few years ago was dead in the water. The program was gone. They're excited to be here. I'm going to go ahead and take UAB plus the points, minor upset, 27-24. And then the last one, this is the epitome of one team being motivated and the other one not. Central Florida plays Florida. How could Florida be excited to be in this bowl game? They backed into the bowl game by beating Florida State, their rival. Their coach got fired. They've got an interim coach. That's This is his last game. Uh, and they don't even get to leave the state to go to the bowl, for their bowl game. This is big brother versus little brother. I'm taking Central Florida. Uh, they get the job done. I've got Central Florida 34-30. All right. Uh, I will go in a sequential order. So we'll go uh, with the games uh, uh, tomorrow. i got one for tomorrow, and that's uh, what Trevor talked about, Utah State and Oregon State. However, I'm not on a total here, and I'm not on the Pac-12 sixth-place team. I'm on Utah State, the same Utah State team, the Mountain West Conference champions that I was on last week as an underdog when they blasted San Diego State. This team is used to be in the underdog role. They have been rolling. They feel they have a chip on their shoulder, just like I talked about a couple weeks ago. They crushed San Diego State 46-13. to They uh, beat their last five oppositions by this. 20, 22, 31, 25, and then 33 with San Diego State. Like I said, major chip on the shoulder. They're upset about being the Mountain West Conference champion and getting seven here as an underdog to a sixth-place Pac-12 team. Utah State's got a good quarterback and Logan Bonner's thrown for 3,500 yards, 36 touchdowns. And Oregon State, they're not going to have their best player on the defensive side of the ball. Linebacker Avery Roberts, he is out. And remember, this team lost to Cal, Colorado, and Washington State. I'll take Utah State plus the seven tomorrow. Tulsa and Old Dominion. Trevor, I'm on. I like Tulsa in this game here. I, I like uh, Tulsa minus nine for a lot of the reasons you said. They played the tougher schedule, the tougher competition. They lost to Cincinnati 28 to 20. They lost to Ohio State and Oklahoma State. Both of those games all on the road. Those were close games. They actually led Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter. They trailed Ohio State 27 to 20 in the fourth quarter at the Horseshoe. This team's won three in a row. They beat SMU. They beat Memphis. They're a good offensive team. And Old Dominion, uh, the toughest team that they faced, two of them. One, Marco talked about Liberty. The other, Western Kentucky, they got blasted by both of those teams. I'm going to lay nine with Tulsa, a good offensive football team. And then you're going to have to wait until Thursday. But I'm with Marco 100%. All about the Knights from Central Florida. Getting six and a half. Florida's a mess, just like you said, Marco. Interim coach and Greg Knox. Uh, new coaches coming in. Uh, your assistant coaches are looking for jobs right now. You're not sure which players are going to play in the game. Ashley quarterback Emory Jones, who's not very good as their quarterback, he's already in, uh, entered the transfer portal. Florida barely qualified for this bowl game. They had to beat Florida State uh, in that game. They uh, here, here are Florida's victories here in the last eight games. They beat Florida State, Samford. I didn't say Stanford. Okay, <laughs> uh, double B. Samford and Vandy. That's that's their only wins. I'm with Marco. 
UCF is fired up. They're ready to play. They are looking at Big Brother. They want to knock them off. They're 8-4. They're solid on, on the offensive side of the ball. Good talent, and they have a tremendous will to win in this game. So there you go. All right, guys, let's roll real quickly to the NFL. Trevor, give it to us quick, your three best NFL plays. Okay, uh, Washington is at the Eagles. They're getting nine and a half points. I like Philly and lay the points. A couple of reasons. One is that Washington has just got too many guys, over 20 guys in the COVID protocol, including both of their quarterbacks right now. And if they are able to uh, come out of the COVID protocol, they still will not have practice. If they can't, Garrett Gilbert, that they just signed off of the Patriots practice squad, will have to play quarterback. And then you've got all kinds of defensive guys that are either injured or in the protocol. And the Eagles have identified themselves. They've branded themselves offensively now as a running team to feature what Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, does best. I just don't see any way that Washington can keep up. So I say take the Eagles, lay the points. Then the Jets are at Miami. Miami's laying nine and a half points. Now, Miami's got some issues, too. I mean, they've got three running backs that are out. They've got their top wide receiver that's out. But the Jets are playing so poorly, I think that I'm comfortable laying the 9.5 with Miami. The Dolphins have gotten back to their defensive identity, which is an aggressive, blitzing defense. And the first time these guys played this year, Zach Wilson didn't play because he was hurt. And so Joe Flacco had to start. New York lost that game by 7 in New York. And so now they're at Miami. Wilson's there, but this defense is even more of a blitzing defense. I really think that Miami's offense, which has played better in recent weeks, will do okay, but I think their defense will create a whole bunch of short fields, and I think the winning streak of Miami will continue. And then Houston is at Jacksonville. The the total is 39.5, and I'd say go under that. That's a really low number. But these are really awful offenses. And Jacksonville will probably get a boost because they fired their coach. And if they think he's the evil Grinch of, of coaches, then I'm sure they'll come out and be and feel like they're free. But they're still bad. And Trevor Lawrence is still tied for the league league in interceptions. They were still shut out last week by Tennessee. And Houston with Davis Mills, the quarterback, I don't think they'll be a whole lot better. I mean, neither team is good, but when teams are bad, bad defenses tend to be bad offenses. I take the under 39.5. All right, Double B, give us your three best NFL. Uh, I'm going to start off with the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to do what I never do. I'm going to lay a giant number with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I, I think that the Panthers have mailed it in. Their the season's improves. Over. Their season's over. They love it. They love the Chanticleers, and they love my pick. That's what it comes down to. I think they win this game by 30. I, I just don't think the Panthers care. And Buffalo is a very frustrated team, so they're going to come out and uh, pound them pretty good. I'm going to take the Titans. I, I, I Sorry about Pittsburgh, but I don't think much of them on either side of the ball right now. Uh, I'm getting a point. Uh, I think the Titans are just the better team, so I'm going to take the Titans in that game. Last thing, I'm going to go with the Ravens. Give me five and a half points, maybe six now. Are you going to give me the six you, at home? Sure, you can have the six. You give me the six at yeah. home? I'll take the six at home. The Packers, they're going to they're gonna sleepwalk through this like they did the first half of that game last week and give me that six points. There it is. Bucket of chicken for the six. Fair there trade. Go. There you go. <laughs> what do you got, Marco? Uh, I'm going to start it off tomorrow night. I'm going to take Indy minus two and a half against New England. New England's in a major sandwich spot. Mm-hmm. Buffalo and Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> They're coming off that game and had a week off, and that's the last thing you want whenever you're on a roll is to have that week off. Then I'm going to go to San Francisco. You know I don't like laying chalk, but this is one where I think Atlanta gets blown out. Atlanta has no offense. Matt Ryan is him and Ben Roethlisberger both need to ride off into the sunset together. I'm going to take San Francisco, lay it there. And then my last one, and, man, I don't know why I keep going back to the well and Tom Brady doing me in, but I'm going to take the Saints plus the points. This is too many points uh, for Tampa Bay to be leave, uh, to be laying here. And here is an interesting stat on Sean Payton as a head coach. When he faces a team, since he's been head coach of the Saints, facing a team with a win percentage of 750 or better, so you're talking about the elite teams mm-hmm. of the NFL, 20 and 8 against the spread. Wow. 
Good note. I'm taking the New Orleans Saints. There it is. All right, Marco D'Angelo, wager talk. All right, Double B, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on, on your first two games. Go, go, Buffalo. Uh, it's time for the Bills to kick it in gear. No better opponent to do that than against a banged-up Carolina team with no uh, Christian McCaffrey. And then, you know, I cannot see them being able to move the ball against the Buffalo D, which is still ranked number one, by the way. Carolina has lost their last three. Oh, coincidence? all with Cam Newton starting. You know, so uh, go figure that. And P.J. Walker has now had to come in relief. Uh, Matt Rule has said both guys are probably going to uh, play in this game. Uh, their situation at quarterback is, is a total mess. Yeah, look for Buffalo to take out some of this frustration in a must-win game. I don't know if they'll win by 30, but you know what they're going to do, Brian? They're going to cover. They're going to harm their soul. <laughs> there you go. We're stealing one from Trevor Maddich. That's right. They're going to harm their soul. And I'm with the Titans uh, as well, too. Pittsburgh has played ugly football three of the last four games. They found themselves down by at least 17 points. They're in a five-game funk. They lost to Minnesota, Cincinnati, the Chargers. They tied Detroit, uh, as Marco well knows. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they did beat Baltimore two weeks ago, but they were lucky to survive that game. The defense is nowhere to be found. Ben Roethlisberger isn't very good right now. And Tennessee is in a position to win this division, and they will expose the Pittsburgh Steelers' D. Tennessee, consistent on both sides of the ball. They're fresher. They're more healthy. Go Tennessee. And uh, I'm taking the Rams against uh, the Seahawks. I know Colleen, the high handicapping queen, will you know, like to have my head for this one, but that's okay. I'll take the Rams. They looked great last week beating Arizona. I know they got COVID cases, but now this game being pushed to Tuesday should be okay. Their D finally came alive. Um, and then also Matt Stafford looked great with Cooper Cup as well. Two strong performances the last two weeks. And by the way, they've scored 95 points in the last three games, the Rams offense. So now they get another division opponent. They're playing uh, like they're in playoff mode. So I like the Rams here. And Seattle, kind of a lot like Pittsburgh in my opinion. Their season's over. Russell Wilson hasn't been real good, especially against good defenses. And that ugly stretch where they lost to you know Green Bay and Arizona and Washington cannot be forgotten. Throw out last week's win against Houston. I think the Rams laying for a little bit of a gift there. So those are our plays. All right. We also got everyone's plays up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. You'll find Scott Spritzer's Matthew Holtz up there as well, too. They're all up there. Uh, we got the bowl games from tomorrow through Thursday, and then the three NFL uh, plays uh, now covering Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> I feel like we're in the Mac. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Trevor, we appreciate you, brother. Be good, man. Thanks, guys. All right, there he is, Trevor Maddich, uh, ESPN. Trevor, with a great college football uh, uh, um, situation that he does with ESPN on the TV side as well as the radio side as well, too. All right, guys, it's been a wild one. Uh, Marco, stay hot, baby. Thank that's you. All, that's all I got to say. All right. Double B's getting ready to get on a plane. Yep. Get so, on the plane. Mexico bound, my friend. Mexico bound for Christmas. So happy holidays and uh, uh, happy birthday again there, TC. Thank you. I appreciate it, brother. And uh, we'll have some fun here at the Cosmopolitan, no doubt about it. We invite everyone to come on down, get here to the sports book. It's going to be a great weekend. Enjoy the barbershop uh, down below for your entertainment over the weekend if you can get inside there. Great entertainment. Of course, the restaurant's fantastic. Everything is fantastic at the Cosmopolitan. And, of course, hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21. Remember, follow repeat and uh, give us your best bet we got ice skating passes to the cosmopolitan ice rink up on the fourth floor it is fantastic so appreciate you guys for joining me appreciate showtime sean porter for being in the house here today moreland greenwood as well numchuck back in the studio gilby the g-man here and double b enjoy we'll reconvene after christmas with you back here right back after christmas we're gonna do it on that thursday Las, right before las, we're vegas, right bowl. las vegas bowl. that's Perfect. it all right marco we appreciate you no problem all right Take care. Have yourself a great football weekend. Stay safe and enjoy.